Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you've got MJ. Welcome to another of the 50 most relevant countdown episodes. We're going down the list, getting pretty close to the 20s now, almost at the halfway mark. At number 32 today, it is new Hawthorne Hawk Chad Wingard. Is he fantasy relevant in 2019? Some think this may be a little low in the countdown. Others think he doesn't even belong in the 50. To help me talk all things Chad Wingard, I've got Ben on the line. He's a Hawks supporter, so who better? Hello, mate. How are you? Very happy to talk about the Hawks' new acquisition. I I thought you might. Let's look into this. He's in his mid-20s, mid-forward, and an incredible footballer when he is up and running. From a fantasy perspective last year, 124 was his best AFL fantasy and dream team score, while for Supercoach, 122. He averaged in the 80s across all formats. He was in the low 80s for fantasy and dream team, 82.3. For Supercoach, high 80s, 88.6. In terms of his price tag across your formats, he's going to set you just over 400,000 in Supercoach, just a touch under 600,000 in Fantasy, and 474,100 in AFL Dream Team. Uh, As a Hawks supporter, Ben, you don't need me probably to spend too much time going on about just how good of a player he is, but he really is one of those incredibly special and rare players to play the game of AFL right now. He's got this rare combination of line-breaking speed, um, terrific goal sense. He's he's really elusive in in the contest, a a really strong overhead grab, and, and to find just ability to find players in space when he does have the ball by hand and foot. Um, Power fans know how good a player he is. And now I think Hawk fans and those that kind of only really a Melbourne centric AFL fans are going to be reminded or see for the first time, just how special a player Wingard is. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. I think Chad Wingard's exactly what Hawthorne needed post the post Cyril Rioli. Mm. Um, Post that retirement, he he comes to the club at a still a very young age, 25 years of age. That's absolutely terrific. This guy won an All Australian in his second year of AFL football. Yeah, it's so insane. Not not many people do that. Um, look, he he kicked over 50 goals in 2015, um, which is again pretty insane for a medium sized forward. And he's just the type of guy that really around goal, he can provide goals, but he can also provide goal assists. And and that's a type of thing that Cyril obviously did through either through pressure or through terrific ball use. And Mm. I think Wingard is the type of guy that, you know, you bring into the footy club, especially at the age of 25, and you think you're going to get, you know, five to seven years of elite football out of him. Um, it's a, a really, really exciting acquisition for the Hawthorne Footy Club, and it's also a really interesting fantasy um, situation for this season, especially considering that his numbers were a little bit down in the first half of 2018. Well, you mentioned that first half of last year. It was very much a tale of two chads um, for fantasy coaches. In his opening nine games of the season, he had just one score over 90, an average 64 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, and an average of 69 in Supercoach. And during that time, it was interesting how Port chose to use him. It was largely 
Um, inside 50, often there was certainly some pressure forward elements to it as a crumbing forward. Uh, yes, that X factor and class we, we did see on display, but any opportunities to push up and outside um, beyond the flanks of the forward 50 it was kind of rarely seen from Port Adelaide. Then from round 12 until season's end, his role changed. He started to pick up much more midfield rotations. Yes, still picking up some forward um, moments, but much more midfield rotations from round 12 until the end of the year. During these 12 games, he scored five tons and didn't drop below 73 and averaged 96 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. While for Supercoach, it was eight scores over that 100 marker, a lowest of 80 and an average of 102. And coaches that picked him at that right time or maybe that first time they see him moved into the midfield that jumped onto him at that point were being rewarded with premium numbers but at a fraction of the price yeah it was pretty sensational um i mean the main thing really is that that role and we've got to ask why did he have that role initially as as really that crumbing forward um it was very very odd he wasn't picking up many touches at all in fact over the first uh, 11 rounds of the season, he only had over 20 touches twice. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's too low a number for Chad Winger. He, he's the type of guy that should be averaging about 21 touches, 20, 20 to 25 touches a game. He actually ended up the season averaging 21, so you can see just how strong he came home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a very odd situation. He, he kicks, he added to the scoreboard a little bit. It did kick it... Um, just let me look through the numbers here. Kicks 11 goals in the first half of the season, but yeah. nothing outstanding, really. Um, this, no. is, this is a guy that's obviously kicked 50 goals in a season. He's someone that you'd almost have the expectation he's probably going to kick you about 40 goals in a season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was a lot of poor form. Um, they really did swing him into the midfield in the second half of the season. Um, and that's something that I think we're going to touch on in a second, but... With Tom Mitchell going down, not that I think Chad Wingard becomes the immediate replacement for him, but I do think he now becomes a little bit more relied upon to at least have a couple more rotations in the midfield than he would have otherwise. Yeah, and it's an interesting point. I do want to get your thoughts on that inside the next minute or two, but it's pretty apparent over the time um, he did play at Port Adelaide is that when he's played in, in what I would deem the correct position um, and given the correct role, that's when you see those All-Australian numbers and getting him into those squad. That's when you see him averaging consistently over 90 in super coaching, high 80s, verging into the 90s for AFL Fantasy. I think probably one of the best years he was used was 2017, uh, where they had that perfect role for him where he averaged 22 disposals, four marks, three tackles, I think it's like 1.3, 1.4 goals a game. If he gets that sort of role where he's getting, yes, midfield, couple of rotations a quarter, whether that be three or four, maybe up to five, you know, as we've alluded to with some extra needs in what is a, a now an even thinner midfield for Hawthorne. If he's able to pick that up, plus still use those incredible skill set that we've talked about inside forward 50, outside forward 50, but bringing the ball inside to the likes of Gunston, Roughhead, and Bruce. Uh, then all of a sudden, I think if he's getting 20 to 25 touches a game, multi, you know, a handful of marks, a handful of tackles, uh, we're going to see him, if that's how Hawthorne choose to use him, I think we're going to see a guy who could be a premium forward. 
Absolutely, and especially in Supercoach. Yeah. Um, so he, he's a guy that historically has averaged um, about six points more in Supercoach in comparison to the Dream Team scoring competition. He's, he's had a high... It, 2013, he averaged 98 Supercoach. 2015, 98 Supercoach. 2017, 93. So these are the types of numbers that he can produce. He hasn't so much done that in Dream Team yet, um, gone more at a low 90s as a, mm. a PB. So he he's the type of guy that you you look at and you tend to think, yeah, if all things go well, Supercoach, he could absolutely be a top six yeah. um, type forward. Now, on top of that, we're looking at a guy who does have a good ceiling, um, especially in Supercoach. Yep. So if we we look back to the 2017 season, he had 157 against um, North Melbourne in round 17. And and he's, he's done over 120 on you know countless occasions. So mm. the, the other thing we've got to factor in with someone like him is that when he plays really well, he, he becomes clearly the player, um, clearly the best player on the team. Yeah. So when his, his games are good, he'll have 30 touches and he'll kick three or four goals. Now that, that sounds to be, that seems to be a positive, but we also do think that um, as Rids commonly alludes to, that does increase his chances of getting a tag as well. So yeah. Just something to keep in the back of your mind. He did get a tag late in 2018 against Carlton. Mm. So um, just trying to put a little bit of a negative light on that as well because he, he is just an outstanding footballer and when he does play well, it is supremely obvious. Yeah, it is. Let's talk about the the Tom Mitchell factor. It's been about a week since he went down with a broken leg and, and will likely miss the entirety of the 2019 AFL season. And while I do think Chad is going to play an important part in the midfield group and rotations. I'm seeing across some specs, you know, spectrums of the, of the fantasy community that it's basically because Mitchell's out, Wingard's now into the midfield permanently and he's a lock forward. I, I think that kind of uh, A plus B equals C logic is, is a little bit dangerous and misunderstands just what Tom brings to the team and what Chad brings to the team. Tom is a inside bull. He's a clearance specialist. Yes, he can certainly get on the outside and get plenty of uncontested and link-up play. But what he got brought to Hawthorne for was to win the ball in the contest. What I think they've done by recruiting Chad Wingard, and Alistair Clarkson's gone on the record multiple times talking about what a special player Chad Wingard is, especially after working with him in the international rules, is I truly believe they've gone after him not as a midfielder. They've gone after, a, a, I guess, the closest Cyril Rioli replacement you can get in the AFL, and that is Wingard, who's an X-factor inside forward 50. A, a guy that can win you a game off his own boot, um, who's damaging when he gets the ball in field of play, not just you know crumbing at the feet of a forward and not just picking up a loose ball, but then can also go into the midfield and add that extra dynamic that you need. So I think that's what he's done. So I believe he'll probably be in that 60 to 70% of kind of forward rotation group. And then, yeah, you'll see him, you know, multiple rotations through the midfield. I think it's more guys like Warple, Cousins, and, and maybe Howe needs to readjust his role to a bit more of a ball winner. Um, that's where I think the extra responsibility lands with Mitchell out. These are the guys that are going to have to take bigger responsibility. I think Chad still picks up 
you know, one or two, maybe even up to three extra, you know, rotations per quarter through the midfield. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be an out-and-out just midfielder for the Hawks this year. Your thoughts, man? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think I think we can look at this a couple of ways. So, essentially, the first one I'm thinking of is, do we want to see Chad Wingard crunched like Tom Mitchell is countless times in the middle of a pack? Um the answer is no. Mm. Chad Wingard isn't built uh, to withstand that type of pressure. He's also just, that's not his skill set. His skill set is to be creative, while Tom Mitchell's is more to just absolutely win the ball mm. and move it out of there with sheer will, which is, you know, quite extraordinary and why he, um, you know, did so well on the Brownlow yeah. last year. But you've got someone like Wingard, that's just not his skill set. So we'll look. We're thinking with him that the likelihood is they want to be, you know, in a perfect season, he averages 20 touches and he kicks 40 goals for the Hawthorne Footy Club. Absolutely. Now, he, he's not going to do that in the middle of middle of the ground 24-7. That's no. just not going to happen. Um, in Within saying that, definitely he is going to get more midfield time um, than he had previously because of the Tom Mitchell uh, injury. Because purely... We don't. We have, you know, the the names that you were just saying to me, whether that's cousins or, you know, uh, I really don't even want to think about that because I <laughs> I remain unconvinced on some of those guys. I think Warpool's an exciting talent, but yeah. I'm not sure I want him to be, you know, almost leading your midfield. Obviously, Tom Mitchell was leading the midfield. Mm. Um, I think Hal's likely to really become more of an offensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, He's already showed glimpses that he can do that, but yeah, with, with Wingard, you don't you don't want him to be doing that. But he will be having an extra rotation or two each quarter. Um, I think that that's probably going to be beneficial for his scores. That's generally yeah. what happens. Um, so I think I think in all honesty, if we're looking at Dream Team and especially Super Coach, it probably does him no harm to have Tom Mitchell go down. Having said that, I don't think it is a huge bonus factor in the selection decision-making. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. I know sometimes we look at what happened at Port Adelaide where he was used deep in forward 50. The Hawks aren't lacking for smalls inside forward 50. They've already got a crafty goal sense in Bruce and Puopolo. So I think there's the role there that it it seems fairly um, quite obvious to me Cyril out, Wingard in, in terms of the ideal sense for um, how the Hawthorne Football Club are going to roll. And even based on his price point, you could probably build a case that there's probably about 10 points across the formats of potential growth. Um, You know, what you're paying for him at that price, though, um, you're really going to be planning that he's inside your top six, top 10 forwards for 2019. And barring injury, you're going to hold him for the year because he's priced at 82 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 88 in Supercoach. Yes, he could probably get about 10 points per game up on that, which would certainly make it well worth the selection. But if you pick and chat in your starting squad, you're planning to have him round 23, you know, as you play the final game of the year. Let, let's talk drafts. Yeah. Sorry, man. Just just on that point as well, I think you're really picking him to be a top six uh, candidate. Yeah, so it has to be. At the, yeah, at the averages of 82 in Dream Team and 88 in Supercoach, he has to be a top six. Um, and that's where the lines can get a bit blurry. How, you know, potentially Supercoach, he increases by 10. He should be around that top six. Yeah. Dream Team, he might be on the periphery as well. So 
we've really got to factor that in because you are, whilst it's at a slightly discounted price, it is still a very, very significant price. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a really interesting one. I'm I'm on the fence currently with Chad mm. Wingard. I don't know exactly which way I'm going to go. I think that um, it's going to be it's going to really come down to the amount of forward premiums we have standing come round one um, with regards to injury, with regards to potential role changes and the like. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't think that this is going to be a poor selection if you do select him, but I also think that you've got to you've got to be very weary that you don't end up with a guy that's maybe scraping low 90s in Supercoach and mid 80s in Dream Team because yeah. it's very hard to move a player like that. Yeah, it, it, it gets to the point where it's like he's scoring well enough that he makes my side, but he's not going as good as the premiums are. But I can't justify the trade kind of for it. And that's when that you know difficult place can be. It's kind of what Stefan Martin was doing for coaches for like the back half of last yeah. year, watching Brody Grundy. It's going, I know I'm missing about 20 points per game on average, but he's not doing so badly that I have to justify it because I know the potential. So yeah, I think if you're starting chat in salary caps, your intention is you see enough that you think he's going top six um, in terms of average. And if you don't feel that confidence, then then put him on your upgrade list. Go and get someone like a Danger, a Devon, a Heaney, a Menegola, a, a Buddy, a, you know, whoever you believe. Yep, I think they're a top six average at season's end. Start with that. Don't go and get a guy unique for the sake of it. Go and get a guy that you're convinced about. And if you're wrong, well, you know, you're wrong. But at least, you know, you went with what you thought was right. Let, let, let's do talk drafts because I think on potential we've said it a couple of times already he could be a top 6 or a top 10 average forward and then become a worthy F1 selection across the formats but given the unknowns and the caliber of forwards we've got I think it would be foolish to jump on him as an F1 um, I think some leagues may gosh depending on the depth of the league he may slide down you know more so in dream team and fantasy um, to an F3, but I really think it's probably an F2 selection across the formats. What's your take, man? Yeah, I'm content at F2, especially if you've managed to bolster up another line, particularly yeah. the midfield. Um, F2, he wouldn't be the strongest F2. Mm. Um, and F3, he would be an extraordinarily good selection. Yeah. Um, so it's just weighing that up, but I, I'd be very content with having him at F2 if like I've said, I've got a midfield or I've got a really strong defense or I've done well with my rucks. Um, he's certainly, and he should be a little bit, um, he should be a little, present as a little bit of value in draft legs just because he has yeah. had a down year. And given he's almost had a, a down year and then an up year historically, his whole career just looking through his fantasy numbers. Yeah. So you think that there's a possibility of him adding an extra 10 points across the competitions, which would, be a very, very um, solid F2. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And probably similar in, in keeper leagues as well. If the person that owns him is a Port Adelaide fan, they this may be the opportunity to go and grab him too because when it comes to keeper leagues and you're building your list profile and uh, sometimes getting these guys that you know are going to retain a forward or a defensive position throughout their career, you can actually build your list around that. Guys that, you know, gain it and lose it constantly like a danger field, as great as it is for the years that you do have them as a forward, you know, it can really damage, you know, your list build and list structure. So I think that bodes well for Chad Wingard in a keeper league is, you know, if you, if you can go and get him, you're going to get a guy who's got the 
the potential to be a, a high 80s, early 90s, gosh, maybe even high 90s in Supercoach forward um, for a, the next five to seven years. Yeah, exactly. That That's one of the points. The other thing is that when we're looking at these sort of younger, generally younger people to, to select in a keeper league, we don't always have the certainty that they've scored, that they're going to score well. So we look at someone like I'm just a guy that comes to my head, Jacob Hopper. Mm. We all have very, very high expectations, and I think that they're, they're very reasonable and rational expectations. But he hasn't done it for a full season yet. Yeah. Um, while you've got someone like Chad Wingard, who's okay, he's a little, is a little bit older, is maybe four years older, but you have that wealth of knowledge that he just can produce um, week to week. So he, he's the type of guy that I would be very, very happy if I got him in a keeper league at F2. Um, very, very happy at F3. And even if I was really pinching, I would be happy enough with F, F1, to be honest with you, MJ. So yeah. um, he's, he's quite a good player and he's obviously got so much more football left in his career. And he's, he has been surprisingly durable. I was, um, I was a little bit surprised we were talking this um, chat that I thought he hadn't been too durable but looking through his career he's um, played 141 games in that's seven seasons now so possible 154 that's that's it's pretty durable stuff so yeah he's um, he ticks a lot of boxes for a keeper league yeah I, I think he does I, I certainly think he's a, he's a worthwhile chase if you can get him I might appreciate your thoughts today on the Chad no, thank you, Matt. Uh, if you want to go and check out the article on Chad Wingard, that is live for you now at coachespanel.tv. You can also go back and read through all the other players so far of the 50 most relevant. The podcasts uh, for those players are also online here at Spotify and also via iTunes. If you want to support the Coaches Panel, you can go and leave a nice five-star review uh, on the podcast channel of choice, or you can become a part of our Patreon. Every single day, a new player revealed in the 50 most relevant and we're getting close to the halfway marker 